Hello and welcome to Tales from the Engine Room, where we meet the people who make up the Skiff, a co-working community in central Brighton. I always thought that video games were made by extremely clever Japanese people or mm -hmm. child prodigies or something, mm -hmm. and it wasn't an accessible thing for, for me to do. I'm Caroline Bevan, I'm a digital storyteller and I'm based at the Skiff too. Across this series of interviews we'll meet freelancers, remote workers, solopreneurs and small team leaders asking the question, what are you working on today? This week we meet Stuart Wallace, a freelancer artist and developer who makes games and apps, but who's entering an exciting new phase in his career. Well, today's kind of typical for me in that I'm doing a number of different things. So I basically spent this morning working on some personal game development projects. And then I'm spending this afternoon doing two or three little client app updates that need done as well. Is that, that normal if you having kind of morning for, for your stuff and then afternoon for client work? Is that a, a sort of a, a, a habit that works for you? Um, it's, it's fairly random, but it's something I'm, I'm trying out at the moment. But yeah, no, I, I absolutely do make sure. So over the course of five days, I do probably about three to three and a half days of client work. And then the other, whatever is left, and it can be changeable to it based on how busy I am, is, is, is then for my stuff. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I tend to try and do, if I'm going to do my personal stuff, I'll do it for at least half a day if possible. And is that is that something you know from yourself that you need a good run up, you know, you need a good chunk of time to really get your head into I think into so, yeah. I, I previously used to just try and do literally every minute or hour I could find to do the personal stuff, which would mean, you know, from six in the morning till seven in the morning or six at night till seven at night or, or whatever. But actually having that slightly longer piece of time, it makes you deliver something a bit better, hopefully, a bit more consistent, because you can just get, simply get deeper into it, obviously. Yeah, of course, of course. So let's talk about, first of all, your personal projects, because this is mm -hmm. where I think, actually, no, let's talk about your client work first. I know you, you specialise in apps and medical, apps and health apps, and that kind of thing. Can you tell me a little bit about who, who it is you're working for? Yeah, so I've basically um, started off freelancing, if we go back to the beginning, because it probably gives it some context. Yeah. Um, after having left art college, I was looking for jobs in television, um, it didn't really happen because I probably didn't have the same skills as people who did a film and television degree. Um, but something I had done at art college was I'd done a course in web design, mm -hmm. just just a couple of days. It was like you know, sort of three days, quite intensive, real basic HTML, CSS, you know, using Adobe Go Live as it was at the time. Um, it's all very kind of you know graphical WYSIWYG type HTML stuff. Um, you know, this was the late '90s, early 2000s, and everyone wanted a website and. It, that became quite apparent to me quite quickly that, you know, instead of looking for a job in an area where I probably didn't have much of a skill, it really made sense for me for me to look for web work. And um, at almost the same time as that, I got a contract with a healthcare company in Edinburgh for about three months um, to, to work on their web design stuff. And that basically then turned into my freelance career because three months in, they turned around and said, you know, we don't, we don't really want to keep you going with the, the agency that I'd, I'd applied for the job with them. But if you want to, you know, we will basically give you, you know, the, the money they were giving them. But you won't necessarily have, you know, X number of hours or all this sort of stuff. But it was it was like effectively tripling my pay overnight um, and giving me lots of freedom throughout the week to do what I wanted as well. And wow. but uh, yeah, that, that sort of that sort of naturally organically just turned into a freelance career. And it made sense for me because having been to art college for for like four years, I was quite used to being self-motivated, working on my own, all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, the healthcare stuff has never really entirely gone away. So, um, you know, it's 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 that typical thing of what you know and get deeply involved in a, in a certain sector. And then 
the people you work for tell their friends and colleagues about you. And then, so I've, I've just naturally, organically, just retained this network of healthcare people over the years. And I've done other stuff. I've worked in completely different areas. I, I used to work for the BBC quite a lot at one point and worked for like startups and publishers and lots of other things as well. But um, there's just that sort of consistent line of the healthcare stuff. Um, you know, they, they've, they've always given me regular work. I've obviously come up with the goods and it's a kind of natural relationship that's been retained throughout all that time. I think that the one thing I would say about healthcare that is good is they're always up for new technologies. They're, they're, you know, they're, they tend to be quite tech savvy people or, or at least wanting to kind of go with the latest thing and try out new things. And, you know, so it meant that, for example, when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone and the iPad and I thought, oh, I fancy a bit of that, healthcare clients were probably thinking the same. And, and you know, so that there was that sort of quick jump for me that, that went from, you know, the, the kind of web world and, into the app world as a result. And, you know, they were they were keen to just give it a go and they knew that we were all kind of just giving it a, a bit of a go as well, which was great. And is that is that down to the fact that they have got obviously they're they're quite exploratory as a sector. They have yeah. you know, they're always finding new things, quite exactly. inventive. But also they've got cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, def- definitely, yeah, yeah. And and again that's probably one of the reasons why I've I've stuck with the sector because you know, they, they've tended to sort of reliably have budget where certain other areas may not as well. And, you know, and they've had their ups and downs with the, all the, the financial issues of the world as well. But um, generally, they've consistently had the money to spend. And I think they're very heavily into kind of research and development and always wanting to use new media and new tech to, to kind of market themselves and all that sort of stuff. One of your early jobs really gave you the opportunity to almost... Um, dovetail into freelancing because it gave yeah. you that time during the week. What, what, so going right back to those days, what, how were you filling those other days? Were you sort of finding new clients? Were you exploring different things or were you starting to do things on your own at that point? Um, I think at that point I was probably trying to work out how to kind of build a business and brand myself and come up with a website and all that sort of stuff and you know also enjoying life as well because in, in my early 20s or whatever at the time but um, it, there, there was a phase of it being fairly quiet for a little while, but it wasn't for very long because there was that natural thing of someone recommends you to somebody else. And it, it became quite apparent quite quickly that the, the company I was working with um, really didn't have a lot of people like me. So it, it just, you know, it, it grew super quick. You know, within probably three months of being freelance, I'd, I had like absolutely non-stop work five days a week, um, which which was great, yeah. And was... And- it, it sounds like the timing was quite crucial there because you know web skills weren't as prevalent as they are now Ab- you know you not. didn't have kids coming out of school <laughs> being able to like build their own websites yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah exactly you know I, I mean i i only really used the world Wide web for the first time in maybe 95 mm. um so you know you you kind of fast forward about five years later and actually it's suddenly it's my career which yeah. you know it just didn't exist before mm. you know leaving school it's like to me you know, what they were doing in the computers suites in the school was just a world away from what I actually ended up doing, you know. But then you you managed to get in through an art degree, which is what you... Yeah, so so I was probably more of a designer to begin with mm. than I was, you know, a programmer or anything like that. Um, although I did a fine art degree, I'd also used um, things like Photoshop and CorelDRAW, which was a kind of precursor yeah. to Photoshop in the 90s, and had done graphic design for like, my mum's company and couple other people and things like that you know and I'd always had little kind of side gigs like that throughout sort of student time and kind of late secondary school so um yeah although officially I was I was a fine artist I did have some graphic design skills so mm. it just kind of cut naturally then you know sort of went in that direction but um you know th- I was always really into tech as well and 
I'd done done a lot of like video work and photography and things as well, and then you know some computing stuff at, at art college. So um, the web stuff just seemed the kind of perfect combination of all my different skills together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for for probably the first um, couple of years at least, it, it would have been very cheeky for me to describe describe myself as anything other than a designer. I was doing the most basic of coding, if 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 anything really. So there's that sort of initial phase which lasted for. Um, maybe the sort of first you know, five to ten years even where I think I was a graphic designer who was kind of moonlighting as a developer but um, probably like around the time that the, the app stuff became a, a real reality was when I started to shift more towards being a programmer as well mm. so started teaching myself more how to you know code stuff and mm. learn some javascript and things and then the game development stuff which is you know my kind of main personal interests all yeah. kind of came together at the same time as so, well. So you wanted to improve your sort of programming development skills to almost help you make more interesting things. Absolutely. It was that kind of, it was a necessity. It was, it was a necessity to, to, to make an app that, mm. you know, you, you had to, you had to be going further, you know, down the rabbit hole than just being able to use Dreamweaver or something like that. <laughs> so what was the first app you made? Can you remember? Uh, the first app I made, again, was, was, was a healthcare thing. Um, it was, um, I guess you would describe it as almost like a kind of product marketing piece. Um, but um, it, it, it was a bit of a Frankenstein because over time they just started throwing different things into it. But each time they did that, I learned something new in a sense, you know. So there was, there was like a 3D model that was eventually put into it and they were doing, um, you know, various kind of, kind of back-end you know, database type things as well. So each sort of step of it was, was, a, was a kind of different phase for me as well. So again, like I said, everyone was just kind of learning afresh and no one really quite knew what they were doing. So I guess early early apps are probably like early websites, even back then now, and they just look, you know, awful. It's like the Wild West as well, wasn't it? Where everyone was just, like you said, learning. And if somebody mm. knew some skills, they were just like, okay, show me how to do it. And there was just a lot of passing of information and definitely, people teaching themselves yeah, how to do it. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting Absolutely, times. yeah, 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 yeah. And every, I think everyone was probably just copying what an Apple app looked at at the time, you know, the, the, same, the same visuals, the same fonts and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was there was probably not a lot, you know, there was a bit of a lack of imagination in those days, perhaps. Yeah, for, possibly. But also Apple were, because they were they were leading the way and they, you know, they, they, they created this world of apps. Yeah. So, of course, they were, well, what do Apple want us to do? Okay, well, let's give Apple what they want. And it's that. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they were the gatekeepers and, yeah. and you know, they, they, they still are, obviously, as well. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's... Um, that that sort of all came out as a sort of almost like a phase two of my career. So yeah. leaving behind the graphic design stuff, it was then, what else can I do? You know, yeah. and and that was, yeah, le- largely led by learning how to code a bit more. But then also, yeah, the, the sort of the game development stuff at the same time. So you know, I'd always been someone who was into video games. Is you know, growing up in eighties and nineties, you yeah. know, uh, it's it would be odd for me to to have not been in a sense, but. I always thought that video games were made by extremely clever Japanese people or mm-hmm. child prodigies or something, mm-hmm. and, it, and it wasn't an accessible thing for, for me to do. Um, but as is the case with the web and app stuff, there's a lot of amazing tools that have been developed over time that have made it a much more accessible thing for people. So yeah, so I discovered Unity, which is a game engine, around a, a similar sort of time again, partly because Unity did 3D and I was looking for ways to bring 3D into my, my client work. Yeah. So, and was, yeah. I imagine with the healthcare app, 3D is quite useful for kind of modelling something or a, whether yeah. it's a device or an, an organ or, you know, I don't know, whatever all, it is. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's, again, from quite early days, I, th- I think healthcare was, was, you know, 
really like forging a path of, of, of like a new media with the apps and stuff, you know, and, and these days they're also into, you know, AR and VR and things as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. So is, this is how you got into the kind of the 3D world. Was there a particular moment where you went, right, I want to work on my own stuff now? Um, I mean, it was, it was all literally at the same time, yeah. you know. I think the month I discovered Unity, I kind of got back into, you know, gaming a bit more heavily maybe. I, I discovered indie gaming as a concept. It wasn't right. really something I was probably that familiar with. And got very into mobile gaming and, and, and it was all, yeah, like, like some kind of explosion that happened together in a sense. It, you know, one thing leads to another. Mm -hmm. and. Again, going back to the, the whole sort of art college, self-motivated thing, it kind of made sense for me to think, well, I'm just going to do this myself and I'm just going to sit at home and I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm just going to make some stuff I'm going to put out there in the world. And the app store gave you that, that window of opportunity that, that wasn't there before. You know, mm -hmm. if, if I'd been doing that, you know, in the 90s, say, or the 2000s, there was almost no way that a, a solo developer could get their game into the hands of potentially millions of people all, all at one time. You know, it, it was... Um, this, this, you know, real kind of levelling the playing field for everyone, so... Yeah. So let's talk about the game that you're working on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally coming together in real time as we speak, so... And it, it does chop and change a little bit as well. So, um, re really, the, the 3D game development stuff I've only been working on for the last couple of years. Prior to that, I was, I was working in 2D and hand-drawn stuff. Um, my only release game prior to this of any kind of significance was, was a mobile game that was done in 2D. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much as soon as that was released, I went down um, the road of, of, of doing 3D. Um, I'd been doing 3D with my client stuff, but I've never really tried it you know, in, in my own stuff. So um, I spent a lot of the last couple of years really just playing with new ideas and testing out things and doing you know, lots of mini games, or you know, maybe make something for a week or two or a month at a time, move on to the next thing. And each one I'm learning something new you know, all the time. But um, yeah, I, I mean, at the moment now where I'm looking at really a sort of 12 month deadline to try and bring something a bit more serious together for mm. competitions and events and stuff so um, right so I was going to ask you what why, why 12 months but because mm. there are there's industry deadlines exactly yeah yeah so so there's there's an event um, each year in Brighton called develop which is one of the biggest kind of game dev industry events in the UK and then a more public facing event called the EGX and both of them there's an opportunity for freelancers indie developers to submit to like competitions and and you know be be part of the show in somewhere or another, and um, yeah, so that's my kind of my current next step goal. Um, having moved from doing mobile stuff to now doing um, what is more likely to be kind of PC, Mac, or potentially even console, there's a slightly different route to go. It's it's not a case of me necessarily just self-releasing a game out into the world. It's it's probably I think you know more appropriate to take it to shows and trying to get some interest from like publishers or funders or other people who could work with me people I could collaborate with in the future and so instead of just you know finishing something and just pressing the button to release it in the world I think there's there's a slightly different route to go this time. So it, so I'm guessing it's similar to the book publishing world where you could self-publish yeah. if you wanted to yeah. on Amazon or however you do it or you could try and get a, a book deal with a publishers. Exactly. So yeah. it's a similar thing where there's obviously pros and cons. Is that kind of pretty much summarising how it I, works? I, th I think so yeah yeah but it, it could still be that I will self-publish I just think going down the route of trying to get into like public shows and stuff is just raising awareness you know it's it's that typical thing of you can make the best product in the world if no one knows about it it doesn't really go anywhere so um yeah it's it's, it's hopefully going to be a kind of gradual process with social media with going to like meetups and stuff mm -hmm. and, and then going to these kind of events as well and you know quite lucky in a sense that one of the main events in the country happens to be just down the road from us in brighton so it does help because brighton is 
a bit of an unofficial kind of games capital of the UK. Is that fair to say, or is that yeah, I mean, self-proclaimed? I, mean, <laughs> I think definitely, you know, must be in the sort of like top five locations in the, in, in the UK for, for making games. There's, there's a lot of stuff that comes out here and probably the proximity to London helps and stuff as well. And yeah, events like developers as well, I'm sure make quite a bit of a difference. Yeah, yeah. Something you said earlier about how when you were sort of first starting out in, in making your own games and you'd, you'd make something for, you know, a week or two weeks and mm. then you'd move on to something else. Are you still doing that today or is 100% of your personal gaming development focus on your on the game that you're working on I mean you know are you st- are you still have got have you got other things in a pipeline experiments and things like oh, that oh I, I mean I'm, I'm literally still experimenting right now mm. yeah I'll, I'll go through phases where I'll concentrate on something and then you know kind of move on to the next thing and, and, and that's partly because I've not really had any particular deadlines or anything recently and, and it's been a case of trying to kind of learn as much as I can about the sort of stuff I want to be making mm. um I'm, I'm now at that point where I've learned enough arguably and and obviously we'll keep on learning every, every single day but um yeah I'm, I'm really at a point now where i need to kind of get stuck into that one idea um that's just hard because uh you know there's about 85 things i want to make at any one time <laughs> and that changes on a daily basis which you know i think is uh it's a common complaint for anyone making their own stuff that uh you know you, we, we, we've all got a great american novel in us potentially but you might be in chapter two of it and suddenly that novel's turned into something else or you might have another three different books you want to write and yeah it's absolutely no different no different with what i'm doing how how do you get this stuff done whether it's in the client work or and i imagine it's not a challenge trying to get your own personal projects done because you want to do it but how do Mm. you know how do you keep all the plates spinning and how do you get it all done um yes that's that's quite a difficult question to answer (laughs) isn't it yeah um i mean the client stuff i'm sure um you know, money and the threat of, uh, you know, not coming up with goods, which can be quite embarrassing or humiliating is enough of a reason in itself. Yeah, yeah true, but, true. Um, but also I think just the sort of pleasure of delivering something, you know, that somebody likes is, is a good thing. Um, and the personal stuff, just want to make sure I'm having fun with it, you know. Like that's, when you're, when you're making a game, you'll play it more than anyone else ever will. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll play it millions of times in, in little tiny bits all the time. Yeah. So if you're not enjoying it, then probably no one else will as well. You're so. like the ultimate user of it, right? Exactly. The so you, just, you know, so as a result, I'm always making, in a sense, the game that I want to play. Yep. You know, whether it's a game that doesn't exist already or whether it's one that's a bit like someone else's or, or whatever, it's got to be something that you enjoy yep. playing and then that keeps you coming back to it. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and also, you, as a, as a freelancer, you've chosen to come into a co-working space like the Skiff. Mm-hmm. So how does this fit in with your kind of your work schedule and how does it how does it help and how does it kind of all make it easier for you to to get these I guess these two different channels yeah um, um, I mean the skiff has always been a kind of central part of that um, I mean arguably part of the reason why I got into apps and gaming and, and coding was because of the skiff anyway I joined the skiff pretty close to that kind of time and I was I was you know inspired by other people around me who were doing things uh, the first time I saw Unity, which is the game engine I used, was was in the skiff, and it was it was just a, a case of oh, what's that? And one conversation leads to another. Um, so it, yeah, it's it's always been this amazing point of inspiration and, and influence on me. And you know, if you're having a bad day, it's, it's it's good to be around other people who are doing something quite similar. You know, rather than just being at home on your own. Um, you know, or you know, you could be at home with your spouse or whatever. But if if they're doing something in a completely different sector or a different type of work, they're not necessarily going to empathize or understand what it is you're going through whereas there's always someone in the skiff that's you know 
doing something that's either similar to you or just the fact that they're running their own business. Yeah. There's, a, there's a real kind of entrepreneur spirit. There's, there's always kind of interesting little things going on and different discussions and stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it's been a real driving force in a lot of stuff actually over that time. Um, and um, it, it, I was talking about my, my career probably being in like different phases. There's the sort of phase one of, of being the designer was largely not in the skiff. Mm-hmm. And then phase two is really, you know, the last sort of decade of, of being in the skiff and then getting into that kind of coding and stuff. Yeah. So are we, are you now heading into phase three? I is hope so. Fair? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm, I'm sort of trying to, to do now. I think it's, um, you know, taking all those skills that I've learned over the last 10 years and hopefully driving, you know, where it's going to go a bit more. Um, I, I've, in recent years, you know, kind of been working on the basis of I just bring in as, as, as much kind of, client work as I need to kind of pay the bills whilst I work on my personal stuff. But you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So phase three is literally begin, beginning as we speak, I think. So. This is very exciting. This is very <laughs> exciting. And what, what would be, if you could design phase three, if you could have mm. that, you know, what would your balance be? Would you like to entirely drop client work and just be able to work on your own thing? Or well, maybe that's a phase four, I don't know, where you're just working on your own project. But is that something that you could, you could envisage in the future is just purely working on your own? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, but it but it would need to still be within a certain context that makes sense. You know, I, I think there would, there would have to be some level of um, I, I don't know what's the the right way to put it, but some kind of goal to head for. Certainly, um, there needs to be someone to kind of you know take stock of what I'm doing and things as well. I, I think the idea that you're just doing it entirely on your own, like like an island or something, is probably probably not the appropriate way. You know, you're you're always going to be answerable to an audience if you're making stuff for other people anyway. But um, yeah, I think it just needs to be structured in a way that makes sense. So something like a publisher absolutely sounds like you know a good way of doing it. Maybe some kind of like crowdfunding or something would, would be sensible. Possibly working with somebody else mm-hmm. because then you've got some kind of accountability that way as well. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, as to what, exactly what phase three is going to become, it could sort of go different ways. I think you know, yeah. and it might, ultimately it might even mean that be a complete abandonment of my own stuff if the right contract or, or the right work came along to replace that as well you know it's um it, it could, go, could go a lot of different ways i think as long as it goes a way that i'm kind of you know personally excited about i think yeah that's so exciting it must feel energizing it must feel really exciting to be at that stage in your in your career and especially all, all the work you've done and all the things have kind of almost led to this point now yeah exciting. absolutely yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I mean the age I'm at I'm probably about halfway through my career yeah. so it w- would be lovely to think that that halfway point leads to you know so, some kind of slight different direction or something where you know I feel I'm yeah more of the kind of driving force behind it and uh, yeah. less a kind of passenger in, in what's happening perhaps Oh, that autonomy over your own career. Indeed. I love that. I love that. Um, I've just got three quick fire questions just to round things up and then I will let you get on with your day. Um, what was for lunch today? What was for lunch today? Oh, uh, leftovers, which are quite often is for me. <laughs> what were the leftovers? Uh, pizza and salads and coleslaw and things. It was homemade pizza or? Yeah, all, all, all homemade stuff. All homemade yeah. stuff. If you, so where do you, do you live in Brighton or do you live just outside Brighton? I live in Lewis, Lewis. which is just outside Brighton. Yeah. So if you didn't live in Lewis, where would you live? Where would I live? Anywhere in the world. Um, I quite fancy living in France. I know it's not too far away or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, there's definitely something about the, the kind of lifestyle over there that's appealing. And so rural or city? Uh, probably more rural. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually very much a city person, but I think as I get older, it's it's perhaps going slightly the other way. So, um, mm-hmm. but also just I'd like slightly better weather. 
I'm not necessarily looking for, you know, 40 degrees all the time, but just, just slightly better weather. And final question, if you could earn the same doing any other job, what would you do? Any other job? Mm. I, I do daydream slightly about doing something completely opposite of what I'm doing. So I've, I've spent most of my life sitting indoors on a screen and I, I imagine what it would be like to, I don't know, work in like a national park or something and just be outdoors all the time. I'm sure it's not quite as romantic and as idyllic as it sounds in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find out more about Stuart's work at leftisright.co.uk. If you're interested in working alongside people like Stuart and myself, then head to theskiff.org. And don't forget to subscribe to Tales from the Engine Room. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>